0: Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I wanted to personally invite our listeners to an event that we're partnering with, Jersey City Tech Meetup. It's called How Solar Technology is Changing the World. It is on Tuesday, July 30th, 2019 at 6.30 p.m. And it's free to attend in Jersey City, New Jersey. It's a great panel of speakers in different parts of the solar industry. I will be moderating the panel, and all the speakers have actually been on the Solar Maverick podcast. Our first speaker is Suzanne Waters, who works at Renew Energy, and she has co-hosted several episodes with me. Also, Steve Schwerd from Schwerd Consulting, Chris Grablets from PV Pros, and Juan Trio from Strata Solar. It's going to be a great event, and I hope you can attend. If you're interested in getting more information on the event, you could find it on the notes of our podcast. You could also go to meetup.com and look for Jersey City Tech Meetup, or you could find it on the Renew Energy website, which is R E N E U Energy.com. I hope to see you there. Thanks
1: customers and employees are looking for companies that can say that they're sustainable and they're making sustainable efforts like the Green Initiative.
2: (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangin.
1: And I'm your co-host, Suzanne Waters.
2: So let's get into it. Hello, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. We have an exciting episode today where we talk about why commercial industrial building owners should go solar. I'm excited to have my co-host, Suzanne Waters.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be back.
2: Yeah, and Suzanne's the Vice President of Business Development at Renew Energy. Can you talk a little bit about what you do?
1: Sure, Benoit. So as Benoit said, I'm the Vice President of Business Development. I do our proposal writing. I do our SREC management. I develop relationships with building owners as we're going to go into that topic today. I'm leaving something out. And this always happens to me, be <laughs> Benoit.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you you talked about SREC management, proposal writing, also report writing as well. Remember, we did a technical and financial feasibility report. For um, a sports team and their practice facility.
1: And then different market analysis.
2: Different market analysis as well. She's a co-host of several of our podcasts <gasps> How could I leave that well. out?
1: My favorite role here at Renew Energy.
2: <laughs> she has done a lot of the 101s on the different states. Estrac 101, Community Solar 101. Also her solar story as well. So definitely check it out. And yeah, just kind of a brief description of Renew Energy before we get into it. And Suzanne will say... Let's get into it. So Renew Energy, we're a solar developer and consulting firm. I started the company seven years ago. We develop commercial, industrial, and utility scale solar projects. We're also looking at energy storage coupling it with solar. We're also a consulting firm as well. That's where we start. first started the business in SRECs, which are solar renewable energy credits that certain states have to incentivize the development of renewables. We brokered about 28 million in these SREC transactions. We do about 12 megawatts where we actually do the SREC management. We source financing for projects for one of our investors. We closed 13 megawatts of projects last year where we helped them with originating opportunities from other developers and with the due diligence. And there's a lot of other things that we do as well, but we'll get into the podcast and uh, I was going
1: to say everyone who's listening and wondering he doesn't even read off of a script when he <laughs> says that
2: <laughs> yeah. I've given this elevator pitch for the past seven years actually August 2019 will be the seven-year anniversary so it's been an amazing journey we appreciate the support of the podcast and making it one of the most popular podcasts in solar
1: all right Benoit, so are you ready
2: I'm ready, are Let, you ready? let's get into it <laughs>
1: All right, so I'm going to start off just with some of the benefits of going solar. I feel like the most obvious one, reduce electrical costs. And I don't feel like that needs much of an explanation. But obviously, you're going to go solar. You're going to definitely reduce your electrical costs. Second, there's a short return on investment in many states for an asset that is pretty long-lived. I mean, most solar systems can live between 20 and 30 years. So you're going to have a relatively short return on your investment for an asset that you're going to have for a really long time. Obviously, there's financial incentives other financial incentives for those of you who aren't familiar there's a few federal incentives the first being the investment tax credit which is 30% the cost of the system you get that as a credit on your federal taxes the accelerated depreciation, that's over a five-year period. You can deduct 85% of the value of the solar asset from your taxes over that five-year period. So that's major. When you total those two federal incentives together, the federal tax benefits can reduce the system price by as much as 50 to 60%, which is huge.
2: That's amazing. And, that too, another great point, too, is that the solar investment tax credit is actually going to go down over time. It's been 30% for a very long time. It was actually a cash grant at a certain point. It was called the 1603 ARRA grant, A-R-R-A grant. But it's actually going to step down starting next year, 2020 to 26%, 2021 to 22%, 2022 for commercial and utility scale projects at 10% and stay at 10%. There is actually legislation to basically extend the 30% tax credit. So people are obviously hoping that it gets extended. What we're seeing actually a lot of people are a lot of companies, a lot of developers and EPCs to qualify for the 30% tax credit. You basically have to purchase 5% of the EPC costs. So what we're seeing a lot of solar by installers the end of the year. by the end of the year to qualify for the 30%, even though the construction might take place in 2020, so that they could qualify for the 30% investment tax credit. So what we're seeing is actually a shortage of panels because people are warehousing the panels. And as Suzanne said, the federal incentives are pretty high at 50 to 60% of the cost of the system. You obviously have to have a taxable income or appetite to take advantage of that. That's why there's been tax equity players, which are banks, corporate companies like Google, Apple, and Microsoft that have been taking the tax liability as a financial return for their projects. There's also state-level incentives as I was well. I just to say that, right. So if that's, you want to talk well, about well. I was that just going to say, well. and
1: that's just the cost reduction of the system based on federal, that's before you even get into the different state-level incentives. So depending on the state you're living in, you can further save on the system installation costs.
2: Yeah, and certain states obviously you have a bigger incentive than other states. New Jersey has a very lucrative incentive. It's called the Solar Renewable Energy Credit. Basically it represents one megawatt hour of electricity. And basically that's valued at twenty at this current today, like the spot price for energy year 2019 is basically $228 per SREC for one megawatt hour of solar energy. That basically translates to 21 cents per kilowatt hour and to give you an idea, commercial industrial building owners paying 12 to 14 cents for their electricity. So it's almost double the incentive. So for example in New Jersey, the payback period if you own the system and are self-financing it is basically within three to five years. For as Suzanne said, a long-lived asset that could last twenty to thirty years. Obviously, other states. It depends on their incentive with when the payback's going to occur. The other thing too is like what the cost of electricity is. The Northeast and California tend to have higher electricity costs, which make the payback faster. The other thing too is how much sunlight as well. So obviously in California, Arizona, Hawaii that have high electricity costs, specifically California and Hawaii, you have faster payback and you need less of an incentive. And people always ask, how come these Northeast markets, we're seeing a lot of solar and it doesn't get as much sunlight. It's because of the high electricity cost and the strong state level incentive.
1: Right. So, actually, the state-level incentives that Benoit was just talking about, those are considered performance-based incentives, like the SRECs. Certain states can have, like, energy efficiency rebates. I mean, they're just at the state level. There's all different kinds. You have to just do your research. So...
0: Or hire Renew Energy to
2: help or, you, there you go. <laughs> with, with the different incentives, understanding the incentives. Obviously, we talked about the SREX as well. We've been hired to analyze different state markets for different investors and developers as well. So. Well,
1: this is a topic of another podcast, but turning your SREX into money, it's not as easy of a process as it sounds. So, that's definitely something that Renew Energy, we we're contracted to help system owners with that as well. So, Okay, so moving on, another benefit of going solar is you can definitely hedge your cost of electricity. The fixed electric pricing definitely makes it easier to forecast and budget plan, so you can hedge against electricity, price, volatility, and inflation. Also, going solar can increase the value of your property. And last but not least, it can lower your carbon footprint, which is actually pretty important. These days, you know, as sustainability becomes a topic of concern, it's definitely something that can help you win more customers and improve employee satisfaction as a business. I feel like customers and employees are looking for companies that can say that they're sustainable and they're making sustainable efforts like the Green Initiative. You know what I mean? So it's also a great way. It's a great opportunity to promote your organization and raise awareness of your offering to the community and the environment. I shouldn't have said last but not least before because I feel like this is last (laughs) but not least. You support local economy because when you're hiring, you decide to go solar. Obviously, somebody there's a bunch of different moving parts. You have people coming out to install the systems. You have companies like Renew Energy that are helping you develop the systems, the project. You have companies that are helping maintain the systems. It definitely creates the job cycle.
2: (laughs) Definitely. we're focused on on on-site solar and it also creates energy independence as well. You're not dependent on the grid for your, your energy. I mean, there's an issue with when inverters go down. When there's a power outage, the inverter goes down and then the solar won't work. There are smart inverters, which will allow you during a power outage to still be able to use solar in certain situations. And then also, obviously, with energy storage becoming more economical. Solar is an intermittent power source where it only obviously produces energy when the sun is shining or when the sun's out. So obviously being able to store it and use it at different times is great for like energy independence. And you wouldn't potentially in the future need a backup generator or things like that. Potentially you could have storage right now it's difficult to make it pencil, but we're seeing huge drops in the energy storage prices. So,
1: all great benefits of going solar. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Should we talk about the different types of systems? Yeah,
2: definitely. Really we're focused on people who don't have a lot of experience with solar and this is more like a primer. If you want more details, feel free to reach out to us. Either call us or at info Mm -hmm. at renewenergy.com That's R-E-N-E-U energy.com. We could go into Mm -hmm. a lot more detail, but we want to really be high level, specifically focused to commercial industrial building owners who are potentially looking to go to solar.
1: Okay, so we'll dive into the different types of systems. I'll start off with rooftop systems. I feel like when people think of solar, this is probably the most common thing that they think of is solar panels on the roof. So, it's an obvious first choice for a lot of building owners and businesses, anyone looking to go solar. The nice thing about it is they kind of just sit up on your roof on unused roof space. That being said, you do need a relatively new roof for to get the most benefit out of this type of system. Like we were talking about before, solar is a long-lived asset, so it's going to be up on your roof for 20 to 30 years. So you definitely want to make sure that you're not going to be having to remove the panels to change the roof five years into it, because it just it doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like unprofitable to basically redo the roof when maybe the solar is already there after 10 to 15 years. So that's why there's either some sort of roof replacement, roof restoration, or a new roof, like the ideal. So once you get to 7 to 10 years on any roof life, you should really consider some sort of roof work if you're going to get solar. We actually did a great podcast on solar plus roofing. Definitely check that out. That's with Daryl Pylon from Standard Solar and Bob Burwasser from Mixella
1: which yeah. is a roofing company. Interesting they have some interesting concepts how to roll the two projects into one, one the solar installation and the roof yes. restoration. So, definitely give that a listen. Okay, so then we have carport systems which I'm sure people you've driven somewhere and seen them in a big parking lot. They look like canopies. They cover and you put them over a parking lot. A lot of people like them. I know people like to park under them, especially if it's raining. (laughs) Um, But it's a good option for building owners or businesses, companies that don't have enough roof space to meet their energy needs. Carport systems are definitely growing in popularity.
2: And the cost of the carport systems, too, are declining as well. And the great thing, too, what a lot of people are doing with carports is they're actually putting batteries in there so you could charge your yeah, electric I was gonna cars. Say incorporating
1: charging stations in there as well. Ground systems are the third type of system. We actually have a couple people around my neighborhood I'll drive by and I'm like, look at, I tell my husband all the time, look at their ground mount. Why don't we put that in the backyard? It's a structure that you build and you mount the panels into the ground. So they're not like actually laying on the ground. They're mounted to posts that are standing out of the ground. So again, if you don't have, like, it's a great thing to put in... um, you don't have a lot of parking lot space. You have a lot of land area. Not enough roof space. You can put your panels on the ground, and I feel like you can get you can do some interesting designs. Almost like incorporate them as landscaping. I like uh, delicate systems that are cool like that. So anything I'm leaving alpiney.
2: No, that's pretty much the types of structures from solar. There's also as well actually, we're starting to see floating arrays where basically people are putting solar on water. And then it's just amazing to kind of see the technology, but the three that Suzanne talked about are the biggest ones and the benefits for commercial industrial building owners. That's the major benefits of going solar right now. And then we're actually going to go into financing, which is a huge piece of it because, as Suzanne mentioned, with the investment tax credit and accelerated depreciation, that basically represents around 50 to 60% of the value of the install cost of the system, which is a federal incentive. So you need to have either a taxable income to be able to take advantage of that. Or you need to find a company like a bank, or I mentioned those corporate companies, to take it. So it's a little more complicated to structure the transactions because of the tax equity component. You know, obviously people self-finance the system where they have the tax appetite, they have the available financing, usually through like their bank. Another popular sort of financing method is a lease. It's called an operating lease. Basically, the operating lease structure allows for quick ownership of the solar asset and then they basically provide the tax equity necessary to monetize the tax benefits so basically as Suzanne mentioned it takes a little over 5 years to get all the tax incentives so basically how an operating lease works is after the usually the 7th year basically the building owner could buy the system back at some sort of fair market value or residual value of 15 to 20 percent of the original EPC cost. So that's a method where you make lease payments, you don't have the tax equity, you bring a tax equity provider that's providing the lease, they're able to monetize it, and then you're able to own the system. The third sort of most popular financing mechanism is the power purchase agreement, which is a PPA, and basically how that's structured is you get a discount to your current cost of electricity, and there's a third party that basically owns a system that you have on site. Sometimes they could roll in what we talked about, like a roof restoration or roof replacement, depending on the incentives and what the production is going to be. Obviously, if you're in a state that has higher incentives, potentially you could include a rollover the roof replacement and still have a discount on your electricity price. Sometimes it's the same price or less usually the ppa is like a higher cost of financing compared to these other mechanisms but you don't have to worry about the solar it's all being taken care of by a third party maybe as since this is not your primary business you don't want to spend the money on that sort of operating expense but you would like the discount that you get with the ppa usually the range of the discount of the ppa is between 10 to 20 percent but it really depends but what we're seeing too is as solar becomes more acceptable as an asset to finance that the the returns are getting lower and lower meaning the cost of capital that they're requiring to do these PPA transactions are getting lower and lower. So those are the three major sort of financing mechanisms related to the project. We also help with developers and building owners with bringing the financing related to the project as well. So feel free to reach out to us if you have any more questions on that. So we're going to actually go into a kind of similar topic Not always all your energy usage is going to be used by on-site, but you first should actually focus on on on-site solar. But the other opportunity that's growing in popularity is doing an off-site corporate PPA. So you basically pay power at a fixed price, and it's not on your basically location. And it's become really popular because companies have 100% renewable energy goals. We talked about some of the tech companies with their tax equity. They've been using their tax equity to basically get a financial return for their projects. But they're also requiring, they also have 100% renewable energy goals, and they want to procure their energy from renewable energy sources, specifically off-site solar. We mentioned Google, Amazon, Microsoft. They are building a lot of data centers, and there's not enough land to basically take all the energy from the data centers. So that's why we're seeing like off-site solar becoming very popular. It's extremely complicated. It's not like your typical power purchase agreement where basically everything's produced and you purchase the electricity. It's actually more of a financial transaction and the most common structure is contract for differences, which is more of a financial sort of option to buy the power and there's no actual physical exchange of the power, so basically CFDs or virtual PPAs act as an electric power price hedge. In these transactions, a corporate off-taker and the project developer agree upon a fixed PPA for the electric power generated from the offsite renewable energy project. The electric power generated from the offsite project is then sold on a merchant basis into the wholesale electricity market. Any variation between the wholesale electricity rate and the fixed PPA rate are accounted. For at each of the end of the settlement period and either paid to the corporation if the wholesale power rate exceeds the fixed PPA rate or paid to the project developer, if the wholesale electric power rate is less than the fixed PPA rate. Importantly, the corporation's traditionally allocated the renewable energy credits attributable to the renewable energy project. So that's like a high level Definition of contract for differences, which is extremely complicated. It's actually an article that I wrote on Renewable Energy World and PV Magazine. If you want to get more information, it's you could find it on the RenewEnergyWebsite.com. But these transactions are extremely complicated. And usually, like the companies have a sophisticated energy desk to basically be able to kind of understand this sort of transaction. But it's it is a great opportunity if you're on-site... Power needs are limited, and you want to get more power offsite. And it's an increasing trend in the industry. And it's crazy. Last year there was 6.53 gigawatts of corporate renewable deals, both wind and solar. And that was actually the highest ever. Before that, it was in 2015 at 3.2 gigawatts. And this past year 2018 it was six point five three gigawatts. So it's a trend that's increasing substantially and it's something to look into if you're a sophisticated, you know, energy buyer as well. The other thing we didn't talk about that's also very important point to know is there are obviously building owners that are not paying the electricity bill. They're actually renting it out to their tenants. But there could be an opportunity where You get a third party to provide energy to your tenants by using your roof and then having a roof lease payment for your roof, because obviously you're not receiving any revenue from the roof. Potentially, you could actually even own the project. And then within your lease agreement with the tenant as well, include electricity as well. And it's a great, obviously, marketing for tenants as well. There has been challenges because REITs are not holding these real estate investment trusts are not holding these properties for very very long so they don't want to get involved in solar and then someone has to take the obligation but then also too there's community solar which we've talked about Suzanne has co-hosted an episode before where basically you could sell the electricity to basically residential customers or commercial industrial customers in the utility service zone. So that's an opportunity too, as well, if you don't want to have an agreement with your tenant, and but if you want to own the solar, you could still receive a roof lease from a developer owner, but potentially you could own the project and then get revenue from these discounted sort of virtual net metering credits that you basically charge customers to use the solar from your solar system
1: the consumer doesn't have to enter into like these long-term contracts in order to do that once you get into the there's a waiting list obviously because it's so popular but you're not going to have to do it like people that live in apartment buildings it's going to be appealing to them because they're not going to have to worry about moving out of their building you know my lease is up at the end of the year but i'm in this energy contract like you can just come in and out as you please, basically.
2: Yeah, so what what Suzanne's talking about is the term of the contract for the residential (laughs) customer if you do a community solar contract and basically financiers have gotten comfortable. Normally with these sort of PPAs, financiers have been comfortable with 20 years, but we're seeing over time that the period is getting less and less, even with these sort of corporate PPAs, the average length is like 10 to 12 years. And then what Suzanne's talking about on the community solar project, basically tenant, people will sign up residential customers, but they don't have a contract. It's basically they get these credits and their invoice for it. And then basically you're making revenue from it. And it's higher actually if you do it with a residential customer because they have a higher electricity cost. But that really depends on which state because even if a state says community solar, it's unique totally in all the different states. So it's a huge opportunity, revenue opportunity for building owners because you you could potentially get more of a, of a roof lease if you're not owning the system because the developer or owner of that solar project Um, will be able to generate more revenue because instead of a discount to a commercial industrial customer, they could get a discount to a residential customer. So it's a huge opportunity. A lot of states are pushing community solar because it gives solar to people, as Suzanne said, who don't have the opportunity. Also, there's a perception that solar is only for the wealthy. So a lot of states, like specifically New Jersey, has a low income component to the community solar program where you have to sell it to certain people We're actually at Renewed Energy developing one of the first project, community solar projects with the New York Housing Authority, NYCHA, where solar is being developed on 38 buildings in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And then there's a certain percentage of the electricity that will go to low income households. So it's a huge opportunity in solar. That's another thing that commercial industrial building owners should know about as well. Uh, what we're really providing is like a very high level overview. It's a lot more complicated. We have a huge audience that listens with different sort of backgrounds, even though most of the people listening in isn't within the solar industry itself. If we're we're happy to help, you could reach out to us, Suzanne, it would be great if you could end the podcast with your hashtag and with your contact info.
1: So my email address is Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E at renewenergy.com. And I think Benoit already said this, but it's renew r-e-n-e-u energy.com yeah and it seems like a perfect way to end the podcast hashtag carpe (laughs) Solem.
2: thank you again Suzanne for an amazing episode and we look forward to many more
1: thanks Benoy I'm glad always glad to be back thanks see See you bye-bye
2: thank you so much for listening If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can.